0: Christian, God isn't mad or disappointed in you. He knows you fully and loves you perfectly. He provided a savior, not a goal. You're free to be yourself and come on in. Welcome to the Grace Cafe. Hello, friends. Welcome to another episode of the Grace Cafe podcast. My name is Mike Adams. And I'm Susan. And in this episode, we're going to tie up some loose ends, and we want to talk about our journey a little bit and the effects that patriarchy and a hierarchy within the church, with me being a pastor, Susan being the pastor's wife, whatever that means, and how that experience has been for us and how it's been for us since coming out of that system. So, let's go.
1: Yeah, it's it's been a process. It's, you know, you don't just after 40, we've been married 49 years. And after about 40 years, I think, is when we started dealing with this. You don't just say, oh, we're not going to do that anymore. And then, boom, this is an equal marriage. There's things that we had to overcome, things, habits in our lives that we just, like, didn't even think of it that wow that's not right so it's a process
0: it's a retraining yeah it's a it's a renewing of our minds
1: especially as an enneagram 9 and i know people a lot of people don't know what the enneagram is i would encourage you to look at it but a lot of my growth has come from learning about myself and my tendency to just become small and and just do what everyone wants to do, what everyone else wants to do. Which a, a picture of that is we go out to dinner with a group of friends. The first thing out of my mouth when we get the menus, what are you getting <laughs> to everybody? <laughs> it's just, that's how I am. And so it's like, well, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to eat? And I'll do it. You know, I just, I just will be there to do what you want me to do. And not having a voice, not learning that I can have a thought, I can have an opinion, and I can be okay with that.
0: Yeah, and and relearning that is you know it's ongoing. Yeah, because we 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 catch ourselves so many times. You know, I have bad habits that I developed as a you know when within a, within a patriarchal marriage that we had, which I assumed was right. I assumed it was yeah. We both did. This was God's will. This is yeah. What well, This is how it is. But just retraining some of those and catching myself still thinking some of those old ways and stopping and, going, well, no, this is wrong. This is, no. <laughs> yeah. And maybe an example or two, you know, would be asking you now, when you're faced with a decision or whatever, what are you going to do? What do you think you'll do?
1: And what do I want to do? Which I never... Yeah. That wasn't a part of my life as what I want to do.
0: Right. And now it's, you're faced with something, and you might ask my opinion, but I'm not dictating to you what to do. I want to encourage you to be who you are. And one of the ways that I do that is simply to ask you, well, you know, have you, have you thought about how you're, how you're going to respond to this? Have you thought about what you're going to do? Have you thought about how you're going to proceed? And letting you know that whatever decision you make, I'm there with you. I'm for you i'm behind it. it doesn't matter if I think it's right or wrong. I mean, we talk about you know we share each other's opinions and thoughts on things, but i'm not large and in charge anymore and i'm so glad what a what a pressure that was. I always had to have the answer. you know we would take scriptures out of context like you know if any if a woman has a question let her let her ask her husband at home, and you would sometimes unload on me. What does this first mean? What does this first mean? And I had to always come up with an answer of some sort, even if it was wrong, you know, even if I had to fake it, I could fake it till I make it kind of a thing, but that's gone. And I'm so glad I I just, it's so much pressure off of me to always be the leader and to always be on point. You don't know what that, you know, what that did in in terms of internally, you know, always having to be on, there was a strife that was there that's. Boy, since then, that's been replaced. I mean, that's not there anymore. And I don't, my three favorite words are, I don't know, or I'm not sure.
1: Well, practically, too, how it played out in our lives. Because I I guess people do have a distinction a little bit between patriarchy and complementarianism marriage. And they try to say that, well, we're complementarianism, which is the same thing. The husband's in charge. Yeah. It was just. Me always asking, can we do this? Can I do that? And the kids coming to me, ask dad if we can do this. Like we've said before in this program, I was the oldest child. And one of the implications, one of the results of that, I think, was a lack of respect the kids had for me. Because they didn't see me as anyone who had anything worthwhile to say or do.
0: They kind of saw you as the head sibling, the lead sibling. Yeah.
1: There was some resentment and just disrespect. And when, you know, when they hit teenage years and stuff, it just.
0: Yeah. It's destructive. It destroys marriages, it destroys relationships. There's nothing good about it.
1: Well, think about our lives and the decisions. You think about every major decision was made by you. What would have happened if we would have had conversation and talked about these decisions before? And, of course, a lot of times we did.
0: Yeah, we did. We had conversations.
1: But you always got the final say. Right. So (laughs) um, I wonder what it would have been like if we had submitted one to another. Yeah. Rather than me always submitting to you. Right. An example, I think, recently, and I think it's interesting because we're how many years into this, and we're still catching ourselves falling back into the same old roles. We wanted to paint a couple of accent walls in the living room. We're in a new build, and everything is gray walls, and it's driving me nuts. <laughs> so we got the color, and normally, you know, we've painted, most of the time it's me painting the house. You know, you'd come home, and a, a room would be a different color you know, that kind of stuff. But I'm old now. I have bad knees. I have arthritis. So the thought of painting these high walls going up and down a ladder, up and down a ladder, I finally thought, you know, I can't do that. Yeah, and I just thought, you know, Susan, listen to your body. You can't do that anymore. So I told her, I said, let's hire someone. And you immediately said, no, I'm not going to pay someone to come in and paint our walls. So that was that. We weren't going to paint the walls. And uh, I think it was a day later, I was thinking, I thought, I really want those walls painted. So I came in and I said, can we have a meeting? <laughs> you were in your podcast room. Committee meeting. Oh, sure. <laughs> and I said, I want those walls painted and I want to text Luke, our handyman, to come and give us a price to do it. And you just looked at me and go, okay. <laughs> you know, but it. our history was, I would have just said nothing. Right. And it would have just, we would have still had gray walls. And now we have these beautiful walls. And you said, I'm so glad we had these painted. He did a great job. But it's the whole recognizing that we easily fall into that role. And so I know that's really personal to share. And it wasn't an indictment on you as much as it was on me. My tendency to not speak up can't be put on you. It's me. It's work I have to do to say, I really want this.
0: It's definitely a, a, a retraining. It's a learning curve. And like you said, when you've been in it for so long, sometimes you don't even realize that you're doing it. Yeah. Just like this incident. Yeah. Incident. Incident. In- incident. Yeah. Incident. Occurrence. <laughs> Just like this thing. You know, it's it goes right, it can go right past you that you're stepping back into this old way of thinking. And it takes someone like you did saying, "No, this isn't what we're doing." to grab my attention and say, "Oh, wait a minute, that was that was the old way, and we're not the old way anymore."
1: I think that's a good picture of submitting one to another.
0: It is. It absolutely is, because in our relationship now, our marriage now, there's more conversation there's not more conversation than what there used to be. I I guess I wouldn't put it that way, but there's more conversation with the end goal in mind that we're going to agree on something. Yeah. Mutually. And if we don't, maybe we wait on it depending on what the decision is or whatever, you know, give it a little more time, but it's nothing like it was. And yet it's not always where it needs to be.
1: (laughs) I, you know, it's such a journey and, Retraining of our minds. And we have ruts in our minds on how things go. And I just want to encourage people that if you're on the same journey, to stick with it and just be kind to one another. When things like this come up, you weren't brutal. I wasn't yelling that I wanted this. We just talked. Normal, human beings talking to one another.
0: Adult conversation. Yeah. By two adults, yeah. not a conversation by the one in charge with the one not in charge, who is little more than the oldest of the children. That's that's just horrible. That's a horrible thing. And even in the church, you know, maybe we can turn a corner right here and talk a little bit about that. Even in in the church, you know, as as a leader, as a pastor, I spent a lot of time doing that. We planted. We planted two churches and we were part of a third church plant. We weren't really in leadership in that one, but we were there. And I was on the worship team, (laughs) you know, and uh, until they started buying me clothes and telling me I needed to wear these clothes on this day. Then I said, you know, I'm going to go now. But that's a different story. But the things that went on in church leadership and the striving for authority within that whole structure really, it did two things. Well, first of all, it shut us both down eventually. It shut you down first. And then I hit a wall of performance shortly after that, and I shut down. And so we we were both, like in 2008, 2009, we were both just done with that whole system. But what got us there, or part of what got us there, was this whole hierarchy thing overflowed from in our home to church, where again, I was always in charge. The guys, the men were always in charge. The women were always in this place of having to submit to everything. And the things that we saw in that setting, that at the time we started to talk about them a little bit towards the end, we started to, just you and I, thinking, this is weird. This is unhealthy. This is not good. You know, so-and-so came really close to just lying in order to cover up his actions that were done in private, in, a, in an elder meeting, you know, an ambush. But it got so heated, primarily because of that top-down authority, the right. top-down hierarchy, that submission from— I mean, even if you've got a group of, of pastors or elders that are supposedly equal, they're not. You've always got one person who is the more charismatic, the more narcissistic, perhaps the more in your face, and even not so much in your face, but disarming and seeming like a really nice guy, only to turn around and backstab you and to do a smear campaign on you because you disagreed with something, in that setting, that feeds back into the marriage. And it's so intense at times. And the hypocrisy that we saw played out in front of us was so intense. And the yelling and the arguing of church leaders behind closed doors.
1: Yeah, which is something that, as a child growing up in an abusive home, that just made me shrink even smaller and just want everything, just to do whatever I could to make it stop, which was obey everything.
0: Right. And that's kind of where we were when we left. You had been reduced to almost nothing. I remember you were— You had broken your ankle and you were on that little scooter thing, you know, at home. And, uh, you were, how can I put this? You were tiny. There was a puddle on the floor. (laughs) You were just, yeah. You were just, you were not you. You had shut down. And I shut down shortly after that. And that's when we had that, uh, Valentine's Day massacre. (laughs) Mm Mm-hmm. Where we went to dinner on Valentine's Day, and it turned into a five-hour conversation about us and about church and about all the unnecessary crap that had been going on, and that we decided to jettison it, to just walk away. And, uh, boy, that was a good conversation. But that was a, a five-hour deal on Valentine's Day where we just spilled our guts to each other, and we had both come to the same conclusion but in different ways. I had come to that conclusion that I was done. I was finished. I was, this is performance Christianity, and I was done with it. But mine was more of a position of authority and leadership. Yours was from a, a position of constant submission, not just to me, but to everybody in the church, every other leader in the church. And boy, that's so unhealthy and detrimental. But we both came to the same place but with slightly different paths like that. And that's when we decided, that was like February of 2009, we decided to, we were not going back. And then trouble really started.
1: (laughs) Yeah. See, that's the thing is that when you look at all of that that went on with us, and I look at what's going on in the Roy's report, and I hear people's stories all the time of the pain that they're in, I think that's not Jesus. No, it's not. It's not Jesus. And if it's not Jesus, I don't want a part of it. And I think that's why I can't go back anymore. Remember that for a long time, I was the one searching for a church. And you went with me because you were afraid for me to go alone because I was in such a bad mental state. So you would go with me and sit with me and open Twitter or whatever.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It usually didn't take very long.
1: But I it, I finally got to the point where I'm like, it, it's not there. It's not happening. I'm not going to find anything. Yeah. You know, I mean, if we could transplant to Chattanooga, there's a place I'd go to in a heartbeat. But I, there's just nothing like that here. And I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to have some guy say he has authority over me ever again. Ever. And I mean ever.
0: <laughs> Plus, for me, I mean, this might sound kind of weird. But for me, to go into a setting where someone's going to get up and prance back and forth on a stage and tell me their opinion about something where I can't interact Mm -hmm. is nonsense. I can't go back into that system. I will never go back into that thing. I have no intention of ever doing that again. This is one person who is giving their opinion about something which may be right or may be wrong or may be unhealthy or may be healthy. I don't know. But regardless, when the body of Christ is together, what's expected in the New Testament is dialogue, not sermon delivery, but dialogue, because that's how we grow in grace. That's how we learn to serve one another. That's how we learn to defer to one another. That's how we learn to submit to one another. The 58 one another's within Scripture can't Be done on a Sunday morning in an institutional church setting. It's impossible. We say, well, that's why we have midweek. Well, okay, great. Why are you going on Sunday? What purpose does that serve other than to elevate a top down authority thing and make it seem more real? You know, I I don't get it. I used to be a part of it, but I don't get it now. I can see it, I see through it. Yeah. And I can't go back into it because I know what goes on, number one, behind closed doors. And it's great that so-and-so up front has an opinion, but I was trained to prance back and forth, too. I was trained to do all that as well. It's homiletics. It's how to speak and handle yourself up front in such a way that you're entertaining, that you keep people's attention. It's a it's a part of training for religious leaders, and it's pretty easy to do. <laughs>
1: You know, it just made me think when you're saying that. We were in a situation where people were allowed to ask questions, and it made me think of you saying that you always had to have the answer. So while you're up there teaching, someone raised their hand and said, well, wait a minute, what about this? You had to be ready. You had to have an answer to that person. True. And I don't know, it's just so unhealthy. I don't know where I was going with that.
0: Well, I'm glad you brought it up, though, because... It's a legitimate thing. You know, if we were in this setting where people could ask questions. You could interrupt the, the person speaking up front and say, you know, ask a question. The problem is you had to have the answer. But if you're in a setting like that and someone asks a question, it's okay to not have the answer because there's other people there and they might know, they might be able to give some insight. So why not open it up? Why does the person up front have to have all of the answers, even in that setting? I think that was a good step in the right direction, but I think it was still crippled on some level because it still got back to the person up front, and the person up front had to argue their position convincingly to convince the person who might be disagreeing sitting down there.
1: Yeah, and I don't feel like I need to be convinced of anything anymore. Yeah. And I don't feel like I need to convince someone else of my position on whatever it is. True. And that's where, say, friendships come in. Friendships that you're allowed to just be yourself and be on your uh, stepping stone. Let people be on their own stepping stone and still love each other. Still be kind to each other.
0: I thought of that old monkey song, I'm not your stepping stone. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, I'm dating myself. Yes, it was in the 60s.
1: But I also want to just, in wrapping this up, when we started out with our personal stories... I was 17 when we got married, and you were, had just turned 19, and all of this was new to both of us getting married, and, you know, what does that look like?
0: Yeah, at 19, I'd never been married before.
1: <laughs> You'd been 19 a month. <laughs> <laughs> but we talked about, you know, wives submit to your husbands, and so these little two tiny babies decided that that's how we were going to do our household together. We decided together. It wasn't a, a thing that happened to us. It was a thing that we came up together and did it together. And I just want people to know that, that I was a part of that decision. And I I really felt like all those years that I was doing what I was supposed to do. And you know what? It brought up a lot of manipulation. I I, I see that in other people now. But I saw that when I really wanted something and I knew you were going to say no, I became a master manipulator to get what I wanted. What an awful way to live in a marriage, you know, to to think yeah. that you have to manipulate to get something. There's, there's so much ugliness to that that, I don't know, it's so many regrets and learning to live with regrets right now and to not look at my life and feel... Absolute loss, a deep loss.
0: Yeah, regrets will eat us alive if Mm -hmm. we let them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, there are things that I'm really so glad. I'm glad that we made the decision, no matter that it was really hard financially, that I got to stay home with the kids. I will never regret that. Yeah. So.
0: Anything else?
1: No. We (laughs) always end on these little. That's right. Light
0: notes. (laughs) Somebody's got to do it.
1: I just want to, this is my thing. I just really want younger women and older women to have freedom, to find that freedom and live that freedom in Jesus. And it's okay. It's okay to have your own thoughts. It's okay to have your own opinions. And you don't have to pick a thought and opinion and stick with it the rest of your life. We evolve. We Our faith evolves. Things change. So walk with Jesus.
0: And that's a positive note. So let's end right there. (laughs) Hey, thanks, y'all, for joining us on the Grace Cafe podcast. Joe is coming up with our web address. And, uh, oh, by the way, there's a contact form there now.
1: Oh, nice.
0: So I am moving toward getting an actual website, and there's a contact form. So if you want to reach out to us, feel free to do that. So until next time, y'all take care. Bye. Thank you for joining us on the Grace Cafe Podcast. To be a part of this ongoing conversation, visit us online at gracecafepodcast.com.